0: This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. Well, thank you, Brother Ed, for leading us in the Church of Christ anthem this morning. I wanna say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church. So excited that you're here with us this morning. If you're visiting for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest. And like our shepherd, Robert, said this morning, we have a card for you in the back of the pew in front of you. We'd ask that you take that out and make sure you fill it out and get that to us. There's a box in the foyer that you can place that card into as you exit, or you can pass it to me or one of our shepherds. We love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church, because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of the world. Amen. So, <laughs> switched it up, didn't I? That was good. So, we, uh, we are continuing on in, in our sermon series this morning, uh, and we've been working our way through the sermon series entitled, What Are Followers? What Are Followers? And we opened up last week with defining uh, followers as disciples and we've been working through this concept of really trying to think through in depth what it means to be truly a follower of jesus christ so last week we said that followers are disciples and we said the disciples are both students and imitators of Jesus, So if we were to define that word, we said that word in, in Greek was mathetes, and it means a student or a learner, if you will. And as disciples, we have to constantly be growing in our learning and in our imitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we learned that in order to be a true disciple, a true follower, we have to make sure that our priorities are in order because sometimes our priorities get out of whack and we place importance on things that shouldn't be that important. And the important things that really should be important are at the back burner. So we had to learn how to flip some of those priorities. And I appreciate your attentiveness last week. So today in part two... I would like to examine another facet of what I believe true followers are. If you go to that next slide, Michael, I would like to say this this morning. I believe that followers, true followers of Jesus Christ, are ambassadors. Ambassadors. And if you have ever studied that term before, maybe you can understand and identify where I'm going to take you this morning, an ambassador for Jesus. So the first question that needs to be answered this morning, right, is, well, what is an ambassador? We've heard that term before. Many of us know it. But if you don't know for sure what that term means, follow along with me as I kind of give you this definition of what an ambassador is. You see, an ambassador is the highest ranking person who represents their government while in a foreign country or in another country. And they are there to advance the cause of their government in that particular foreign country. So if we can kind of piece this together now, we are called ambassadors. It means A couple of different things to us now doesn't it the idea of being in a foreign country and representing our government and you also know that an ambassador if you've been traveling across the country you've been to other parts of the world you know that usually when you go into a foreign country the first place that you like to stop by and see is the US embassies right or the consulates, right? So if you ever go overseas, you always want to go check out the embassies. Now, what is an embassy or a consulate? Well, it's basically the operations center located within the particular city. It's the operation center. And in that embassy or that consulate, there resides ambassadors. The mission of the ambassador or, and or the embassy, listen to this, is to interact with local business, nonprofit organizations, the media, educational institutions and private citizens to create positive responses to the policy and the personnel of their government. So how does this fit this morning? What does this all mean to us? Well, I want to say this this morning, the church did you not know is an embassy And its members are ambassadors. We are an operational center located in the city of Mission Viejo. And our mission is to then interact with local businesses, nonprofit organizations, the media, educational institutions, private citizens in order to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. So that's what it means to be an ambassador this morning. The first passage of scripture that I'd like for you to turn to is Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verses 18 through 20. And I want to read this text uh, to you this morning. And I've highlighted a couple words that will help, further, uh, help us further understand what it truly means to be an ambassador. The scripture says here, For as I have often told you before, and now say it again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So let's transpose this idea to our situation or our culture or our condition today. Many people in the world, in your social circles, people that you're surrounded by, live as enemies of the cross. They do. And you can identify with that. Their destiny, church, is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this helps us to understand that, guess what, All of us are living in this foreign country that we call the world. This is not our home. You're not from South Orange County. You're not from the United States. You're from heaven. And one day you're going to get to go back. So guess what? You're an ambassador in this foreign country with a mission. Well, what was the context of this writing, Paul's writing to the Philippian church? Well, the church in Philippi, if you did not know, was the first church that was actually established in Europe. And if you've ever done any study on, on the Philippian correspondence, you know that the first convert to the church in Philippi was a lady by the name of Lydia. And she was a business woman of some sorts, as the scripture says, right? And she was a special person. She was the first convert in the city. And it was the largest city, Philippi, was the largest city in this region known as Macedonia, which was located in northern Greece. And if you've been to my class on Wednesday night as we studied the Pauline epistles, uh, Philippi was similar possibly to Los Angeles, if you think about it. Large city in this region. Uh, There is a uh, a lot of goods and, 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 and things of that nature being sold and traded within this region. It is a cultural hub of diversity and thought and ethnicity similar to Philippi, right? And in Philippi, it was a cultural and religious melting pot of thoughts. And if you think about Los Angeles, we're, we're similar in that way, the Los Angeles region. So Paul wrote this church in Philippi. To remind them that Philippi was not their home. To remind them that heaven was where they were from. And that they were foreigners and that they were going to go back one day. So while in this foreign country, their job was to be people of mission for God in the region where they were. So what does all this mean? So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this first thought or this first concept if you're going to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, if you're going to serve and step up and say, you know, Lord, here I am, send me. If you're going to be an ambassador, the first thing that you must learn to do is learn to understand the culture that you're trying to reach. If you're going to be an ambassador, you have to learn and understand the culture that you're trying to reach. Which means then you have to spend time in fellowship with the locals. But you know, we like to live in bubbles, don't we? All right? Just think about it. Whenever you're in a new setting or a new situation, the first thing that you like to do is find like minded people and circle yourselves around them, don't you? That's human nature. That's how we operate, that's how we function. And one side, there is nothing wrong with that. You find like-minded people, that's great. But sometimes what happens is we begin to form these bubbles and we stay within those bubbles and we don't want our bubbles to be popped. So if we are going to be ambassadors, we have to learn to understand this culture. And in order to understand the culture, we have to spend time with the locals. So the question I have for you this morning is, who do you spend time with outside of your social circles or your communities? And I asked myself that question, that very same question this week. Jason, who who are you spending your time with outside of your circle, outside of your family, outside of your friends, outside of your church? Who are you spending time with? Because that is what it means to be an ambassador. We spend time with the locals. The second thing that we do as ambassadors, if you want to be an ambassador and you want to understand the culture, you have to learn the latest customs, Amen. I had a friend uh, a while ago when I was a preacher at a church in Arkansas. I brought him to church with me. He wasn't a Church of Christ guy, and uh, it was maybe, what, 2005 or so when I was preaching at this small church, and I brought him with me. He had never been to really a Church of Christ before. He walked into the building, and then he walked out. I said, what are you doing? And then he walked in, and he walked back. I said, what are you doing? He said, it's amazing. I just jumped from 2005 to 1950 with just one step. I said, "What are you, what are you talking about?" He said, "This is weird, man." I said, "What on earth are you talking about?" So, uh, back at that time period, that church, you know what we had? We had those. Uh, you remember the the song? Uh, wooden blocks that we would post on the wall, right? And we would take those black uh, letters and we would slide them in there, 576. And we had five of them, right? And then the other side, we would have the contribution there and the attendance. And, you know, sometimes our attendance wasn't the greatest. It would be about 50 or 60. And he said, Jason, I just don't understand this. And everybody's calling each other brother and sister. What are we? I, I don't get it, right? So he didn't understand the language of our community. So it was just so, so awkward to him. And I think what would have helped is if we would have learned to understand his custom, his culture, and the way he spoke so we can make sense to him. But a lot of times we say, we're not worried about making sense to you. You should understand how we operate, right, and become accustomed to what we do. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think there is some flawed thinking in that you see whenever you are in a foreign country it is your job to learn the customs of the community and you need to learn and i need to learn how to implement some of those ideas for example uh in 2007 my grandfather took me on a missions trip to ethiopia so we were in uh, addis and we were in Gondar. Ethiopia. And we flew out to this mountainside and we were in this country town and we were there to share the gospel with people. And one of the customs in Ethiopia is whenever the locals put food on your plate, you are required to eat everything on the plate, right? And some of you are saying, that's a custom here at my grandma's house, right? <laughs> but the, but that, is, that is a part of it. So when you go to Ethiopia, you, you have to eat everything on the plate, even if you disagree with the food on the plate, right? So in Ethiopia, they have this food called injera, and it's basically like spongy, kind of sour, doughy bread, right? And then they have this other food called vat, and what it is is it's spicy meat. And I can't do spicy at all, not even a little bit, right? And then what they do in Ethiopia is they eat the whole animal, not just the loins, right? Or or they eat everything, the entrails, right? So we were at this dinner, and this local sat the food before us. And I said, what is this? This looks delicious. I can't wait to eat this. And she said, well, it's the entrails. It's the uh, intestines of a pig. And you see, I'm a Southern boy, so I knew what that meant. That's chitlins, right? (laughs) That's that's chitlins. (laughs) And I remember grandma used to make those and I would never eat those, right? And my grandfather was with me that day and he said, "Uh, my grandson's a growing boy. You might as well give him my portion too, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) and I remember that day having to clear my plate of the innards and the what and the injera. And I had to do that with a smile on my face because that was their custom, right? I had to adjust to them not them adjusting to me it would have been an insult if I said you know what I'm an American I don't really function that way I don't I don't do it that way right so that day I had to learn I learned a lesson if I'm going to be an ambassador I have to change and that's hard to do if you're going to be an ambassador and you want to learn the culture another thing that we have to think through is our use of technology And what I mean by that is, are we communicating in ways that make sense culturally, right? Are we communicating in ways that that make sense culturally? I love it so much that my grandfather, who is 82 years old, is learning Facebook. And he said, Jason, what is that throw, What is that TBT? What is that throwback? What are you supposed to do? I said, Grandpa, you're supposed to post an old picture. He said, oh, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. And now my grandfather messages me on Facebook. And I said, Grandpa, why are you doing that? He said, I'm just trying to keep up with times with these young people, right? I don't want to be left behind. I want to be able to communicate like they communicate. And I thought that was so special. Just the other day, our uh, brother, Bill noel it was so great, was talking to Mike Capusta. Bill had just bought an iPad. And he said, Mike, I don't understand this. Apple ID, sit down with me and help me to figure this out. And it was so great because I saw two generations coming together, learning how to communicate in a new contemporary way. And I thought that was special, right? So the question is, if we're ambassadors, are we understanding the culture in which we're trying to reach? Are we working hard to figure it out? Or are we just saying we don't talk that way? We don't do those things. We don't communicate that way, because if we function in that light, we're not being really good ambassadors. We have to adjust, not the foreigners, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 20 says this We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to god so there we see this term ambassador in red now this is coming from the corinthian correspondence and if you ever spent time in the letters to the corinthian church you know that the church in corinth was fighting against the cultural norms of the day you see sexual immorality was running rampant and you think our time period is hard and difficult right sexual immorality was running rampant during this time paganism and idol worship was the norm the church was being influenced negatively by and through culture so you see some of those cultural influences coming into the church and Paul had to write that letter and say hey you're not supposed to be doing this you're not supposed to be doing that stay away from this and to stay away from that you see in this letter Paul had to remind the church in Corinth that they had an answer to the world's problems. They were God's voice to a broken world. So point number two is this. If you're going to be an ambassador, we, you, must seek to repair broken people and broken systems through love. And that's what it means to be an ambassador, to seek to repair broken people and broken systems in the world. So the question we should be asking ourselves, church, is where are the broken people in our city? Where are the broken people, right? And that becomes more of a difficult challenge for us in some aspects and some uh, thought processes. But where are the broken people in our city is there social injustice that needs to be addressed, and what are we doing to fix these broken systems? What I love about our church so much is, if you show up here on like a Monday night or a Tuesday night, you'll see the uh, the parking lot packed with cars, and what we have here at this church is we have. AA groups, we have NA groups, we have OA groups, and they come to this church building to receive healing from their programs, right? And I really like that concept of idea of using our facility here to welcome broken people. We also have this ministry called Comfort Cafe where we say the broken who are financially in ruin or having a hard time or maybe some people that are mentally ill can come and receive from this place and what we're attempting to do through that is to address the brokenness and to help solve the problem through the love of Christ. And if you're going to be an ambassador, you have to identify where brokenness is and seek to repair it. But oftentimes we, we just don't do that. We stay away from broken, broken people, because it's messy and it's difficult. What else? Well, if you're going to address broken people and broken systems, you first have to address the need and then share the good news all right but you know growing up as a good church of christ boy we oftentimes didn't do that we started with the gospel didn't we so when we would do those door-knocking campaigns do you know jesus have you heard the plan of salvation here believe repent confess be baptized oh and remain faithful don't forget that one right and we would start with that, and that was just so strong language. It was, it was intended to be good. It was a good thing for us to do that, but sometimes what we would do is we would just neglect the brokenness in their lives and the need that they had. And if we're going to share the good news, we have to address the need first and then address the gospel. It's like the the classic example. You guys have seen the YouTube clip where the doctor was with the young kid, and he was getting ready to give him a shot, and the kid was scared of shots, right? So he said, no, mommy, daddy, I don't want a shot. So you know what the doctor did? He took that needle and just stuck it in his leg, right? You take the shot! bow. No, that's not what he did. The doctor started playing with the kid. Look up, look down, doing faces, right? He was tickling him, ha ha, ha. and then gave him a shot, and the kid didn't even know. And then he said, are you going to give me my shot? He said, I already did it, right? And that's how we have to think in terms of sharing the gospel. Address need and then slide it in there. That's what good, that's what good physicians do, right? That's what good physicians do. Uh, lastly, we have to learn to be patient. Patience is a hard one. It often takes a long time to repair the spiritually broken. And the scripture says we should not get weary in doing well. But you know the way I was taught growing up, if somebody doesn't receive the gospel, you shake the dust of your boots and you move on, don't you? Obviously, it's a problem with you. You get one shot and then that's it, right? But that's not what scripture teaches us. It teaches us we have to learn to be patient with people and take our time with them and realize that it is a long process sometimes. You've got to teach them every day. You've got to love on them every day. And it's not a quick turnaround for some people. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't, and we've got to learn to be patient, and that's what it means to be an ambassador. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 38, and we'll close with this story. It's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, and we see Philip here serving as an ambassador, and the scripture says here, now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Next slide, please. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet and the spirit told Philip go to that chariot and stay near it and then at the end of this passage next slide it says here as they traveled along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said look here is water why shouldn't I be baptized And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And if you're like I am and how I grew up, this story is very, very familiar to you. So bear with me as I pull out a couple of things that hopefully you haven't considered before. First of all, what's interesting about this story is if you start in the beginning of chapter 8, you know that Philip was in the city of Samaria, which at this time was a pretty large city located in north-central Israel. And he was there, and the scripture says that he was preaching the gospel and making many disciples, baptizing a lot of people. Uh, There was a buzz going on and around him, and the gospel was being shared. People were coming to the Lord. It was an exciting time for Philip being in Samaria. But if you go back to the first slide, verse number 29, what's really interesting is it says here that God uh, told Philip, go to, yeah, there you go. Uh, God told Philip, um, I want you to go and take the desert road, previous one, if you will. Uh, The angel of the Lord said to Philip, um, go south to the desert road. So if you think about it, he was in this city and God said, hey, Philip, I want you to start going south from Jerusalem to, to Gaza and I want you to take the desert road. And I wonder if Philip was going, huh? I'm here making a lot of disciples in this big city and all of a sudden you're asking me to take a desert road? from Jerusalem down to Gaza. Lord, what on earth are you doing? Um, But that's what he asked him to do. And what's interesting about this text is notice that Philip didn't do like Jonah, did he? Right? God said to Jonah, you go preach in Nineveh. Jonah said, I'm out of here. Oh, no. (laughs) But what happened was is Philip said, all right. So he went down this way. He didn't ask any questions. He didn't disobey God's quote-unquote weird command. And when he did that, he was introduced to a eunuch. And what's interesting about eunuchs is that eunuchs usually had two uh, positions culturally, right? If you were a eunuch, you could be considered a complete outcast. Or sometimes if you were a eunuch, you were elevated to powerful positions, right? So this is the case where this eunuch was introduced and in influence and a person of influence and worked for the queen of Ethiopia. And the scripture says that he was a proselyte. He was converted to Judaism. He was a religious person. And it's interesting that Philip encountered this person on this desert road. Weird. You would think he'd be in the city, somewhere important, but he was on a desert road. And Philip said to the Lord, you got it. I'm going to go there if that's where you want me. So lastly, point number three is this ambassadors, if you're going to be an ambassador for the Lord, we must pray for God to reveal seekers to us. Now, I want to real quick define what a seeker is, if you've never heard that term. A seeker is a person that is looking to learn more about the Lord, about the church, about Jesus, about why you do what you do. Did you not know that there are seekers everywhere, right? But they don't know how to to move forward with the conversation. They're a little confused and they're lost, right? But they're seeking for something. They're all over the place. They're everywhere, right? Seekers are everywhere. Um, So here's what we need to do in order to begin dialogue with seekers. Number one, remember when you pray, ask God to connect you with people who are seeking. Um, And the question I have for you this morning is, how often do we pray that prayer? You know, we always think of evangelism and making disciples as a very scary and hard task, right? Because it's like, what do you do? You go door knocking? Do You go cut their grass? Do you, do you give them the pamphlet? What do you do? You talk to them, just walk up to them at Starbucks. Hey, have you heard about Jesus? So we get, we get nervous about that process, right? But it's a really easy process, and it starts with prayer. And we say, Lord, will you send somebody my way who might be seeking? And it's amazing what God does with that. Lord, send a seeker my way or help me to cross paths with a seeker and begin a dialogue and a conversation with this person. And it's amazing. So the question is, are we praying for seekers? A lot of times I I can honestly say, no, we we probably aren't. So I would encourage us as a church and as individuals to pray that God would bring seekers our way. And it's a really, really neat thing, right? Point number two is this, uh, have courage to engage the people God has put in your path. Because they may be very different than you, and it might be kind of hard. If you think about Philip and you think about the Ethiopian eunuch, there were some cultural differences, weren't they? I wonder if Philip was thinking, why would you send me to this guy? Right? But there were some cultural differences. There were some social differences. And in order for this seeker to meet up with Philip, God had to do something that was so powerful and so amazing, and he brought the two together that were just completely different. And sometimes God puts people in our lives that are just so completely different than us on purpose, right? So that we can share the gospel message with them. So be aware, if you pray for this, God may send some people to you that you're like, I don't know how or how we entered into this relationship, right? But it's a good one. And then lastly, here's something that's really important that I try to keep with me. Don't force feed people, but let them come to the understanding on their own. That's what we see in this text, right? We don't see Philip force-feeding this guy. Okay, here's the five-step plan, right? And the scripture says this, and here's what Barton W. Stone and Alexander Campbell say, so we, everybody's going to follow it, right? This this is what we do. No, but this guy was reading scripture and trying to understand. He said, do you understand? You kind of get what you're reading. He didn't say, you don't understand what you're reading. Let me help you figure it out. He said, do you understand what you're reading? They begin to reason together And when it comes to disciple making and seekers, I would just tell you and encourage you it's something I try to remind myself. Don't tell them what to think, but show them where they can find their answers. That's what good teachers do, right? I'm not going to give you all the answers. You've got to learn to find the answers yourself and I can show you where to find those answers. And then in this passage, we see the Ethiopian eunuch raising the question, okay, here's water. What do I need to do? So it wasn't a very difficult process in my mind for Philip. It just kind of flowed together and it became easy. And that's all because I think it began with prayer. And in prayer, we see the angel of the Lord saying to Philip, you go over there. And for me, that's a Holy Spirit moment. And I think a lot of times uh, God gives us us Holy Spirit moments that we just don't even recognize because we haven't been in prayer and we haven't been processing and, and, and thinking of it in those terms, right? But if we begin to pray and say, Lord, show me seekers When you have that moment and you're like, why am I on the side of the road right now changing my tire and somebody pulled up behind me? You go, wait a minute. Wow, maybe this is an opportunity. Or why am I at the grocery store with this lady right now? There are Holy Spirit moments to share the gospel all the time. I think sometimes we just don't recognize them. So I want to close with this. The, the, The thing that's so great about our church, the Mission Viejo Church of Christ, or even the church of christ as a whole is that everyone here is called to be an ambassador everybody you know uh, we don't believe in the clergy laity model and what i mean by that is we don't say uh the priests or the pastors they were trained and ordained to do that so they're the only ones that can do that ambassador work we, we don't believe in that model that mindset Uh, We don't say that the, the local preacher and the elders are the only qualified people to do that. We don't have that. But we do say we have elders and we have deacons and we have evangelists to set the vision and to protect the flock here. And unlike many church congregations, you are encouraged to serve as ambassadors for the Lord in the circles where you find yourself. So that means everybody can get involved. So practically, what's the personal challenge to you this morning? The personal challenge is this as a follower of Jesus Christ you were called to be an ambassador and as an ambassador here's what you need to do you need to be aware of the circles of people that you often surround yourself with be aware and say you know what as I look around everybody looks like me you may need to say to yourself well it might be time for me to step out and try to engage people that aren't like me because if you think about it that's all Jesus did right He went to people that were not like the norm. So I would encourage you, if you're going to be an ambassador, to think in those terms. If you look around and you say, all this is the same, let me step out and try to reach and to talk to somebody that is just totally different than me. And that's a challenge. Be comfortable with differences. And I want you to hear this one. Like-mindedness leads to complacency. Be comfortable with differences. We all grow as people when we're challenged with new paradigms, right? But if we're all thinking the same and processing things the same, we would never grow, you know? I'm so thankful to the Lord that, that the Lord gave me my wife, Mary, right? She thinks so totally different than me, and most of the time she's wrong, but I just go ahead and go with it anyway, you know, but... <laughs> But I'm thankful because she gives me a different way of viewing things, right? She says, Jason, have you considered it this way? And I'm like, you know what? I really have not. And I'm so thankful that I have a person that thinks so differently than me because she has helped me grow. When people think differently than you and you surround yourselves with different thought, it's, it's, it's a season of growth and blessing. And then lastly, here's one that I want to leave you with. Share your ideas with the church leadership, Right? If we're called to be an ambassador and you have ideas on how to help broken people and broken systems, uh, if you have ideas on how to reach seekers, if you have ideas on to start ministries, say to the shepherds, you know what, I have this idea. And then say to them, now you guys carry it out. <laughs> I was like, what do you saying? <laughs> no, this, that's not how it works. What we're saying to you is you have ideas on how to reach people and how to serve as an ambassador come up with the idea draft the plan and share it in joy. here's what i think that we can do and can i serve in this capacity right but oftentimes what we do is you know what elders i have a great idea here you guys do something with that (laughs) right but that's not what it means to be an ambassador ambassador says you take initiative and you say to the shepherds how can i come alongside you and the vision of the church to implement this plan and i'm willing to step up and lead it right and that's a great way to start so this morning, the question I have for you is, are you an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope many of you can say, yeah, I'm on there. Or I'm getting there. Or I'm working to get there. I think for many of us, we can say, you know what? I forgot about that aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. And you know what? We all have been there. We've made mistakes. We've lose sight of what it means to be an ambassador from time to time. So this morning, this invitation is for you,